the Apollo Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Cash Landing, the show where we fall ass backwards into the money and you get richer just by listening. I am your host, Ben, here joined as always by my co-host, Aaron. Uh, today we are going to be getting into a lot of football, basically. There's there's not a whole lot left. The World Series is over. Basketball is over. They're both going to start up again before we know it, but uh, we are going to get into a lot of football this week. Uh, we had a we certainly had a week of betting uh, last week. My week didn't go that well, but but I think Aaron has something to say about his. Hey, Aaron, how how hot are you right now? Yeah, I mean the weekly segment. How hot is Cash Landing? Um, I would describe my betting run in these past three or four weeks. Imagine Game Six, Clay Thompson and Playoff Randy sharing a hot tub in the middle of Arizona in like mid July. That's how hot my bets my bets are right now. I'm actually concerned. I think I'm actually starting to wonder if I'm determining the outcome of the games just by clicking on the buttons. So I think that might be happening. Uh, yeah, basically, I went 4-0 last week. You could say I went 3-0-1 with a push, but I did still win money on that bet. So I won another $513 last week. I'm up $1,585 on the year. I could lose all 500 of my dollars three weeks in a row and still be up. I'm not planning on doing that. I mean, I'm just on fire right now. I don't love the board as much this week, but I still like my bets. Man, I'm just on fire. But uh, yeah, I mean, I had a couple of closer calls this week. You had some tough beats, so I'll let you talk about that. But yeah, man, I'm I'm hot. Yeah, I really only had one tough beat that came up twice, and it was the Chicago Bears offense, which I threw into two of my selections for the week. I really thought that there was no way that they that they or I'm sorry, I mean the Bears offense was obviously horrible, but I thought that the defense would hold it to the point where there was no way that they would be more than twelve points down at any point during that game against the Rams. I was obviously incorrect. They ended up losing it by 14 points. It's not ideal. I just, you know, I mean, you got to readjust and move forward. I lost 300 bucks on the week. I'm still up more than 200 on the on the year so far. I'm not doing quite quite as well as Aaron. Uh, <laughs> I'm not doing that bad either, though. So it's it's all right. But definitely have to clean some stuff up moving forward. And uh, I have no bears in my picks this week because uh, it's hard to go back to the well when they burn you, isn't it? Yeah, no, I mean, I was thinking of how hot you were, and I was like thinking you were on your way to the pool to get like a nice hot tan, and then just a giant cold front called the Bears offense blew in and just ruined your entire day and just kind of cooled you off. But uh, I don't know, I would argue you probably had two bad beats because you also had the Seahawks money line, which ruined one of your money line parlays. I mean, you could say that was a pretty bad beat considering if that offensive that defensive lineman doesn't try to hurdle the other guy on the field goal block they probably win that game I mean that game was an absolute like it was back and forth the whole fourth quarter was kind of crazy but I would still qualify that as a bad beat so I mean you were just a couple plays away from having a good week and it was a winning week overall for the pod but yeah I definitely widened the gap a little bit on you in uh our individual (laughs) contests yeah no kidding the uh (laughs) The, I mean, it's hard to even, I mean, the Seattle one probably was a bad beat when you, when you really think about it, but it's hard for me to be that mad with how many field goals were missed from, especially yeah. that one, that one uh, Arizona one. I mean, I thought my bet was over right then and then it got pushed to overtime anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, hopefully I'm going to stay hot going forward. You'll get back on the heater, but yeah, I mean, we've had winning weeks for the podcast overall, I think three weeks in a row, maybe four. I mean, Man, hopefully the listeners out there are tailing our picks right now because we are starting to learn. It's yeah, no, it's truly it's free money. There's, <laughs> I, <laughs> that's that's so good. So uh, before we move on to uh, talk about the MLB a little bit, we're gonna go into uh, a new segment uh, in just a moment. I just want to go and address something to the listeners. Me and Aaron are both avid um baseball fans obviously baseball is our our favorite sport we're also pretty in tune with the with the general managing side of things sort of the roster construction and so something that we did last year that we really enjoyed was trying to fix every team in the offseason uh going division by division and and doing that so we might actually just do a a big huge mlb free agency pod probably around the time that salary arbitration stuff starts happening 
Um, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, we really enjoy talking about that stuff. And, and especially in this weird, super weird COVID off season, there's going to be a lot of, uh, interesting stuff to, to get to for sure. Dude, I can't wait to make non-tender jokes. It's, it's been way too long. <laughs> there will be no tenders found this i mean we thought the non-tenders were bad last year they're going to be unbelievable this year absolutely no tenders dude if these uh like the waiver claims and the club options are any indication of this free agency period i i genuinely feel bad for the guys that have like worked their whole lives to earn this massive contract and then this happened to be their contract here because Man, the early indications seemed like it, it might be rough out there on the market for the players. Yeah, I mean, nobody took Brad Hand's $10 million after he led Major League Baseball in saves with less than a two ERA this year. Like, I, I know both of us would have loved our teams to take him for $10 million. Yeah, I mean, I understand why. You know, I mean, you hear these stories about every president of baseball operations is laying off 30 people every two months now, but. It's just it's gonna be a super weird off season. It's it's I mean it's kind of exciting from a fan perspective just to just to think about the possibilities. But enough of that. We we have a we have a new segment to get to before our <laughs> entirely new pod that we're gonna unveil at some point over the next few weeks. But the new segment we're gonna go through way too early futures bets. And for those of you who don't know, futures bets are. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's bets that happen in the future. Usually it's a team to make the playoffs or maybe it's a team to make the World Series or the Super Bowl or a player to win MVP, just something that's going to happen usually at season's end. And so we're going to start with the MLB looking at World Series futures, and I'm going to go ahead and let Aaron take this one away. Yeah, so basically what we're looking for in World Series futures this far out is it's hard to know exactly which team is going to win the World Series this far out, but what we're looking for is we're looking for value, meaning we want teams that their current World Series odds we think are higher today than they will be when the season starts or when the season is at like the trade deadline or before the playoffs, key dates like that. So we want to give you teams that we think will have nicer value today than they will at those future days. And my first team here is going to be the Washington Nationals at 30-1 to 1 to win the World Series. Look, they're not losing any key players to free agency. You could... Uh, you can make the argument that that is not a good thing because their team wasn't that great this year, especially the offense. But they still have a top-level rotation with uh, Scherzer, Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin. Strasburg should be fresh coming off the injury this year. He'll have the offseason recovery. He should be back with not many innings pitched last year at all. Look, this was always going to be a weird year for the Nats in 2020. It was going to be a you know a playoff hangover, a World Series hangover. Then Juan Soto, their franchise player, had COVID for like a really long time. Then Strasburg got hurt. We had a feeling Scherzer might be fatigued coming off the long World Series playoff run. Um, look, Juan Soto, obviously, he, hopefully he won't have COVID again next year for like three months. I think he's going to be right in the thick of the MVP race. Trey Turner had a nice year this year. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Carter Keboom got a lot of major league experience. He's, they're definitely going to need him to elevate to a better player next year. Look, uh, Ben's going to make a counter argument here, and I understand most of his points, but my main point here is I think this team has a pretty good shot led by Juan Soto, maybe winning the MVP and the 1-2-3 in the pitching combination. I think they have a shot to make the playoffs, and we've seen before if that pitching rotation can make the playoffs and Juan Soto gets hot in the playoffs, they can go on a deep run. So 30-1, to 1, those will not be the odds in August if this team looks primed for a wild card spot. That's my that's my pitch to you. Yeah, and, and I, I actually do sort of agree with the if the Washington Nationals were in the playoffs, they would probably be a, a semi-dangerous team just because we've seen the pitching rotation work that way. And especially in a seven-game series where you're actually given rest days, unlike this year, um, you know, you can just ride Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin until they break. Um, the only problem is I don't think I can't – and 30-1 to 1 is not enough value for me for the sheer lack of odds of this team to make the playoffs, in my opinion. I think the National League East is going to be very competitive next year um, with the Phillies, Braves, and Mets all probably being pretty good. Um, And, you know, I mean, the Marlins were surprising this year. They could certainly do that again, although I don't particularly expect it over 162 games. But I I honestly think the Nationals are going to end up being cellar dwellers. That lineup is just not good enough. They non-tendered Howie Kendrick. They non-tendered Eric Thames. They non-tendered... 
um, as Drupal Cabrera, that all the veterans are gone. They're going to have to fill those holes somehow. And I'm sure they will. Um, but I, I just don't think the lineup's very good. There's no more young help on the way at all. If you look at the Nationals' top 30 prospects, the top 12 or 13 guys are all pitchers, which is nuts. I mean, if it's literally, you know, RHP, RHP, LHP, LHP, all the way down. Um, if they were 50 to one, I would, I would probably agree with you. There's probably some value there, but at 30 to one, I, th- I just think there's better, there's better values at that, at that spot. Yeah. I mean, I understand your counter arguments there. The offense was pretty lackadaisical this year. I'm counting on a huge year from Soto and Turner with that pick. Um, I'll let you go into the next one, which we are both very, very high on. So you can start it off and then I'll hop in with the things I really like about this next team. Yeah, I mean, you can call this a homer pick if you want to, because um, everybody knows my my team affiliation at this point. But the Houston Astros are 25 to one to win the World Series next year, which is a lot. I mean, so they are almost surely losing George Springer and Michael Brantley, and they are definitely lo- losing one of those guys. However... Oakland is also losing guys. They're losing Marcus Simeon, Liam Hendricks. Uh, I mean, Mike Fires. That's not really a huge loss, but they're they're certainly losing guys as well. Um, and the Rangers and Angels are are not factors. So in an AOS that is still the Astros to to I mean, it's the Astros to go get. Obviously, Oakland are the reigning champions here, but both teams are losing guys. Oakland is probably going to have to shed payroll more than even other teams in this COVID pandemic. Um, you know, we learned a lot of things about the Houston roster this year and 25 to one is just way better odds for a team with all of this postseason experience with a pretty easy path to the playoffs in a weak division and still a solid lineup and definitely a, an above average starting rotation. So Houston Astros at 25 to one. I mean, I think this is real value. Yeah, I think it's real value also. I mean, look at the bullpen this year was a concern throughout part of the year for you guys. But I think when you look at the bullpen as a whole through the entire 60-game season and the playoff run, I think you have to be somewhat excited about a lot of the guys in there going into next year because suddenly, I mean, this was a bunch of rookies all year. And now they're not just a bunch of rookies. There are a lot of guys with experience that pitch in very important regular season games and very important playoff games. Framer proved that he was a legitimate front-end guy. Lance McCullers looked good to go. Hopefully he can stay healthy in a longer 162-game season. Christian Javier is going to be a weapon whichever way they decide to use him. And look, Jordan Alvarez, or sometimes I like to call him left-handed power-hitting Greg Oden, he's going to be back in this lineup, and that lineup is going to have at the very minimum Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, Altuve, Bregman, and Carlos Correa. They're going to add to the bullpen a little bit. I still think Zach Greinke will have something left in the tank to offer them. So, I mean, yeah, I think they have a very legitimate chance to win this division. And I think they're almost a lock to make the, not a lock to make the playoffs. We don't even know how many teams are going to be in the playoffs next year yet. But I think they have a very good chance to make the playoffs. And when they do, they're going to be 12 to 1. So grab them at 25 to 1 right now. I mean, you can put $20 on them right now and win 250 bucks when they win the World Series. And another thing with these futures bets, you don't even have to count on them to win the World Series. If you have odds like 25 to 1 and they just make the World Series, all of a sudden you can just bet the team that they're playing against and do what is called hedging, and you have a guaranteed profit either way. I mean, you don't have to hedge, obviously. It'll be depending on how you feel about this series. But, I mean, the story here is they're 25 to 1 right now. They're not going to be 25 to 1 in August. So just bet them now and thank us later. Yeah, I mean, 25 to 1 is is just a lot. And I'm going to go ahead and stick in the AL West because I have one more team that I want to talk about, and that's going to be the Seattle Mariners. All right, I just, I'm going to throw the disclaimer out here right now. I'm not, I'm by no means am I predicting the Seattle Mariners to win the World Series. However, they are 80 to 1. That is tied for the worst odds with the Pittsburgh Pirates. They should not be tied for the worst odds with the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is a team that was fighting for the second spot in the AL West this year. Um, they were only a few games behind the Astros. I think this is super legitimate value. Last year, I talked on our radio show about how I like the young Mariners over the old dead weight Mariners. Um, so I took their over on the win total and I feel pretty good about that one. Uh, this is back when we thought they were playing a full season. So I took over, you know, 68 wins or whatever it was, and I'm sure they would have hit that. Um, I also predicted the Kyle Lewis rookie of the year, but you know, no big deal. Uh, Justice Sheffield, Yusei Kikuchi, and Marco Gonzalez all had FIP and XFIPs 
under four for the 2020 season and they have Logan Gilbert on the way next year. So that's suddenly a very, like there's a chance that that's a really good rotation. We know the lineup is solid with the emergence of Dylan Moore and Kyle Lewis. They have Jared Kellenick on the way. They have a more experienced Evan White for next year. I mean, $250 here wins you $20,000. I I think it might be worth taking a shot on and it's certainly better value than the Pirates for that same total. So the only real issue with the roster is that the bullpen is still a mess, but I could definitely easily see that being fixed with one or two free agent signings and then Kendall Graveman cashing in on the potential that he showed last year. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think it's definitely the best value on the board. Yeah. So, I mean, we already mentioned, we don't know exactly how many teams are going to make the playoffs, but if the playoffs are expanded at all next year, we both expect the Mariners to maybe be really sneaky to make a run at a playoff spot. And if you can get a team potentially in the playoffs at 80 to one, that is just ridiculous value. And there will probably be hedging opportunity there where you can just bet the team against them in every series. So, yeah, I mean, the Mariners 80 to one with that young lineup. And then, you know, hopefully they get a boost in the rotation this year. I, I definitely don't hate that at 80 to one. It's, it's a joke that they have the same odds as the Pirates. I agree. Yeah, I mean, like, if you had to pick one, <laughs> nobody is picking the Pirates, not even Pirates fans. But uh, I, I think that's probably it for the MLB. I know that. So Aaron is probably a bigger NBA guy than I am, and I'm just going to go ahead and toss it to him for the NBA and, and sort of interject where I, where I think is, is most appropriate. I'm a Rockets fan, and therefore um, my life has been pain for the last, I don't know, five or six years. Yeah, that, that probably does have something to do with how much we love the NBA because I'm a Warriors fan. So, you know, my basketball fandom has been pretty kind to me these past couple of years. So, uh, yeah, I do want to mention uh, basketball futures. I really like basketball. Ben likes basketball more than he's letting on. He's just the Rockets have crushed his soul these last couple of years. But we're going to do um, we'll do an NBA over under pod. We had a lot of fun with that last year. So when the win totals come out, we'll go through and predict the win totals for every team. But I just want to mention it right now. There is a couple of futures that I think are worth talking about. The first one's going to be the Dallas Mavericks at 28 to 1 to win the NBA Finals. Uh, look, I'm not sure we've talked about this on the pod yet, but I am a huge Luka Doncic fan. I'm a truther. I think he's got a really, really great shot at being the MVP next year. Look, is it a little far fetched that, you know, a Mavericks team with the often injured Kristaps Porzingis as their number two can actually win the whole thing? Yes, that is a little far-fetched, but Luka comes back even better next year. They already have Rick Carlisle, who's one of the best coaches in the NBA. Those two things could lead Mark Cuban to make a couple in-season moves to give them a real shot to contend. My bet here is basically Luka taking it to the next level and then getting out of the first round, and I could see them getting out of the second round um, next year. So if you get them in the Western Conference Finals at 28-1, to you can hedge on the other three teams that are left and you're going to have a guaranteed profit with the Mavericks at 28 to one. So uh, I think that's good value for a team that might have the best player in the NBA next year that can lead them to a Western conference finals appearance. So that's my case there for the Mavs. Ben, did I sell you at all on the 28 to one number? Uh, Yes, on the twenty-eight to one number, you it's I'm I'm sufficiently sold. I I like the Golden State Warriors in the West as far as like realistic options go, but they're only at plus six fifty, which is nowhere near twenty-eight to one. So, um, if the Maver, I mean, you're you're almost at this point just betting on if the Mavericks can get past the Warriors, um, in which case you know the hedging opportunity is obviously there, and and it's certainly possible. So twenty-eight to one, I think, is definitely a good number. Yeah, I mean, obviously I was thinking about the Warriors, but yeah, I mean, the plus 650 didn't seem like near enough. That seems like a number they should have. Like, that's not, that seems like people are banking on them to like get a stud for this number two draft pick. So I think you can kind of wait until after the draft pick if they just draft some player, and then that'll probably go up a little bit. But yeah, my next team here is going to go to the Eastern Conference. It's going to be the Boston Celtics at 14 to 1. Look, it's hard to take 80 to 1 long shots in the NBA just because that literally never, ever happens. So you have to be a little more realistic with your NBA futures, which is why I'm going to go with the Celtics here at 14 to one. Look, the Celtics have a really good shot to win the East next year. I think Jason Tatum just keeps getting better and better. There's a shot. He elevates his game to a potential MVP level, which would be huge for them. Jalen Brown is one of the best two-way players in the NBA, especially on the defensive side of the floor. Basically what you're worried about with the Celtics here is they have the really high contracts to both Kimball Walker and Gordon Hayward, who are both, injured pretty often and neither one of them have been too effective 
obviously Kimba has been more effective than Hayward, but I'm not going to give up on either one of those guys quite yet. And then this is more of just an anti-Eastern Conference bet. I'm not scared of the Bucks at all. They have shown us absolutely nothing in the playoffs that would scare me um, Scare me as far as the Bucks go. And then you've got the Nets there with the Kevin Durant-Kyrie duo led by kind of head coach Steve Nash. Um, KD and Kyrie came out and said they don't really view Steve Nash as the head coach of the team, even though Steve Nash is the head coach of the team. So that was kind of weird. But look, KD and Kyrie are weird dudes, so whatever. <laughs> so yeah, um, with those things combined, give me the Celtics at 14-1. to 1. They're the most reliable team. They have a lot of experience, even though they've got some young guys. I think they have a really good shot to get to the finals where you can easily hedge at 14-1. to 1. So uh, yeah, I would definitely go with the Celtics here, 14-1, to 1, in a pretty weak Eastern Conference. I think they're the most solid team. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at the Brooklyn Nets at plus 1100 and i'm just like i don't think i would ever take that over the celtics at, at plus 1400 it's there's so much unknown with kd there's so much unknown with the combination of kd and Kyrie. there's so much unknown with like how the brooklyn nets operate at least with the celtics i mean they're almost guaranteed a trip to the eastern conference finals so plus 1400 there's not as much value for hedging there as there is with somebody like the mavericks but if you just want to lock it in and let it ride i think that the celtics are probably the best futures value on the board even more so than the Mavericks yeah I mean they're 14 to 1 right now when they get to the second round of the playoffs which they definitely will when the Celtics are in the second round I would guess they'll be somewhere around like plus 800 or plus 700 so you're getting immediate value right now that it will surely come down when they inevitably you know get out of the first round of the playoffs yeah, I mean, I mean, you you mentioned Rick Carlisle. They they have Brad Stevens, who's yeah, exactly. who's up there as well. So it's there, there's really, it's just a matter of how much value are you really looking for, I think, and how much risk are you willing to take as far as these, as as far as these futures go. But uh, unless you have anything else, I'm I'm definitely ready to talk about some some NFL daily fantasy for Week Eight. Yeah, let's break down the DFS slate. Um, look, there's some disclaimers here. This is a weird slate that we're not going to give out as many plays this week because. Ben and I both have more condensed player pools. And part of the reason that we have these real condensed player pools is because there are real legitimate weather concerns out there this week. Look, we're recording this on Friday night as always. So make sure to check the forecast Sunday morning before you lock in your final lineups. But I mean, the weather forecasts are, you know, pretty adamant that the weather is going to be bad in a lot of these games. So, you know, there's going to be high winds. There's going to be really cold temperatures. That is a huge, you know, that plays a huge part in a lot of these offenses being able to move the ball. There is bad weather in the Buffalo game, the Cleveland game, the Green Bay game, and the Chicago game. So, I mean, it's going to be hard to attack the passing game in those four games. So, look, our player pool is more condensed this week, but, uh, you know, we've still got some plays that we're going to bring you this week, and we still think we can get you to the cash line in your cash games and your tournaments this week. Yeah, for sure. And actually, I, I forgot to mention this, but I – uh I cashed all of my lineups last last week, so that was nice to see. I, I think I played five lineups and cashed every single one of them, and we, you know, we gave out all those plays on the show. So um, DFS wise, you know, I, I I may not have had the best week in as far as bets go. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but DFS wise, I actually had a great week. Yeah, I mean, we've had we we've been recapping our success more in our bets just because it's more straightforward. Because you know, we really want to see how you guys, you know take our recommendations and we want you guys to build the winning DraftKings lineup. So if you guys ever have winners, you know, based on our recommendations, take a screenshot, tweet at us, tell us you won. Uh, Cause we want to be out there rooting for you guys, but yeah, let's do it again this week. And my first quarterback, I'm going to go with the tournament play here. And it's going to be Lamar Jackson at 7,400. Look, this is the toughest quarterback slate by far. Um, this is a crazy week. So I'm going to go to Lamar Jackson here, even in a matchup versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm thinking people are going to shy away from Lamar here because of the matchup, but I'm willing to take a shot this week on what should be really, really low ownership. Look, we saw the Titans were able to move the ball last week against the Steelers defense. It was their first game without their stud linebacker, Devin Bush, who's out for a while for the Steelers. The Ravens are at home in this game. They're coming off a bye. And here, let me set this up for you. Last season... The Ravens were at home, coming off a bye, playing the undefeated Patriots, who people were talking about has this amazing, unstoppable defense. And the Ravens went out and put up 37 points in that game, and Lamar Jackson had three touchdowns. 
you know, that's very similar to this week where the Pittsburgh Steelers are undefeated coming in with a really highly touted defense. I think we see a similar performance from the Ravens. I think we see a similar performance from Lamar Jackson, which makes him a very interesting tournament tournament play here at 7,400. I think he could be in for four touchdowns here in a very sneaky high-priced option. Yeah, uh, I I like Lamar Jackson for sure. And I also think that with Mark Ingram being out, they might be looking to Lamar Jackson to do a little bit more with his legs uh, than than usual. But my 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 only issue with Mar- with Lamar Jackson this week is actually just that I know I'm going to have to pay up a tight end this week. I only have two tight ends I really like, and they're both pretty expensive. Um, so I'm just not sure that there's any way for me to play Lamar Jackson and build the rest of my lineup as I see fit. But I mean, you know, we're obviously we're going to give the budget options. We're going to give the the high priced options. If you have seventy four hundred dollars for sure, I think Lamar Jackson is. I, I I even think he's probably safer than I think you're you're letting on. I mean, the Pittsburgh defense is obviously very good, but without Devin Bush, I don't know if any of those linebackers are going to really be able to keep up and contain Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I think he's just somewhat safe relative to the slate because I was looking at all the other high price guys. I mean, you have Russell Wilson up there, who's you know he's very safe. You know. He's in a good weather spot, but all the other guys are in really bad weather spots. So I really like Lamar Jackson as far as the high price guys. But my favorite overall quarterback play on the board is going to be Joe Burrow this week. Uh, he's my favorite play, and it's not even close. The Titans are 24th um, against the QB position this year. We know the secondary is a huge weakness for the Titans. We know that the offensive line is a huge weakness for the Bengals, but lucky for them, the Tennessee Titans are dead last in adjusted sack rate in the entire NFL. So they've been getting absolutely no pressure on the quarterback this year. So that could give Joe Burrow and his very sore ribs maybe a little time to heal this week. I think Joe Burrow will have time to find his weapons this week. $6,200 in a game that I think could turn to a shootout. Yeah, Joe Burrow is going to be my favorite quarterback play this week. Ben, how do you feel about Joe Burrow this week in cash and in tournaments? Yeah, I think Joe Burrow is the go-to cash quarterback. Um, sixty-two hundred is is a great price. He should not go less than twenty DraftKings points. He should not tank your lineup at all. Um, the Bengals have shown a sincere willingness to throw the ball constantly, and especially if Gio Bernard is still starting in the backfield, that's that's not going to change. Um, I I totally agree. My my other cash game quarterback is going to be Philip Rivers in the dome. At fifty nine hundred, uh, Philip Rivers in the dome is sort of a different breed. He's he's pretty good in the dome. Um, I think that this is a relatively safe play in cash. I think it can easily give you an opportunity to make some fun things happen with the rest of your lineup. And um, we've been picking on the Detroit defense just all year. I'm not going to stop now. If he can just stay out of his own way, if he can not throw picks for three quarters of this game, he should get you there to value town. And uh, yeah, at 5,900, I like him in cash and I like Burrow in cash. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think Phil, it's not going to be a fun play. I mean, he's unlikely to go for like 450 yards and five touchdowns, but I do think uh, you were talking about mainly cash. I do think it's a pretty safe cash option. So I agree. Yeah. And and if you're really looking for a tournament option, because Aaron decided, you know, he didn't want to, he didn't want to go with his low price tournament quarterback like he always does this week. It's all right. I'm picking up the slack. I've got one for you. I'm definitely going to run Jimmy Garoppolo out there in some tournaments. Aaron, you mentioned that it was, you know, one of the few good weather matchups this, this week. And that's true. Um, the Seattle defense is the Seattle defense. We've also been picking on them all year. I am not going to stop now. I think Jimmy G can just get some dump off passes going to his running backs and, and get you to 200 yards and three touchdowns here. Um, in tournaments. Yeah, Jimmy G was the one cheap QB that I was considering. I just got worried just because Kyle Shanahan treats him like a toddler. <laughs> he just wraps him in bubble wrap and sends him <laughs> out there and to do play action passes where it's impossible for him to throw picks. I mean, he doesn't trust him at all. But I mean, that doesn't mean he can't throw four, you know, red zone touchdowns or just throw a screen pass that breaks for 75 yards against this terrible Seattle defense. So yeah, Jimmy G in tournaments. I I also like that. I will agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, this is by no means is it a a mark on Jimmy Garoppolo's talent level. It is only that he's probably going to end up finding George Kittle on a drag route, and he's going to end up breaking it forty five yards for a touchdown twice during this game. So, uh, you know, that's those are some free DraftKings points there for you. Yeah, the relationship between Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy G it reminds me of when like I've been on a couple cruises before. It reminds me when you go on a cruise. 
and you have those parents that are really eager to get to the casino. So they just take their six-year-old child and stick the life vest on them and just send them to the into the Lido deck to swim in the pool all day with a life vest on, knowing they can't drown or if they go overboard, they have the life vest on while they go play blackjack. That to me reminds me of how Kyle Shanahan treats Jimmy Garoppolo. He's just going to send them out there. He's going to coddle them. He's going to send them out there in his life jacket and just hope he doesn't drown. That's basically it's, how I feel. It's interesting that you bring that up because I know that your dad really enjoys playing blackjack. So are you are you speaking from a from a point of experience here? No, I've I've never been. I've I would never let him just put a life jacket <laughs> on me and send me out there. I'd rather just watch him play blackjack. But I legit have been on cruises where I see a family leave the room and a kid is wearing a small life jacket. And he goes running one way down the hallway and then the family just goes the other direction without the child. And they probably just meet back up for dinner at like six o'clock. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's a real thing I've seen happen, but uh, I don't know. You ready to move on to running back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can go ahead and move on to running back. Man, that is so funny. Um you you have up here up up at the top. You have Derrick Henry at, at 8K. You're you're willing to pay up for Derrick Henry on this slate here. I am considering being willing to pay up to Derrick Henry. I was honestly hoping you would talk me into it. That doesn't <laughs> oh, sound like it's going to happen. Uh, look, I I like the next guy a lot more as far as value goes. But if I'm going to maybe I'm making a Jimmy Garoppolo lineup and I can pay up for two running backs. Look, Derrick Henry is $8,000. I'm hoping that depletes his ownership a little bit. He's going from a matchup here versus the Steelers to the Bengals. That reminds me of like a colorblind man who can suddenly see color for the first time. That's what Derrick Henry's vision is going to look like in the running game this week. Uh, Look, the later in the year we get, the colder it gets, the harder Derrick Henry becomes to tackle. So even though he's $8,000, there's a chance he gets his like two touchdowns and the 200 rushing yards. There's always a chance that happens. It's a good matchup. I don't love the idea of paying the 8K for it, but if you have the money and you're going really cheap at quarterback and tight end, I also think he could easily, you know, get 35 to 40 in, if the things fall correctly for him. Yeah, I'm probably fading in cash. I think it's a good tournament lineup. I think more people are going to be scared off by the by the 8K tag than 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 not. I mean, you and I are are huge Derrick Henry players, and even we're sort of just like, I don't know if I want to play him at 8K this week because there are so many different options. One of which is Kareem Hunt at $6,900, and you know what? This is your guy. I'm going to let you go ahead and take it, but I I just want to say I even before you start, Kareem Hunt at 6,900 is probably the guy. Yeah, Ben. Well, I actually have a little game for you to play here. I'm going to list off um, four or five statements here about Kareem Hunt this week, and I want you to guess which one of these is false, which one of these is incorrect. The Raiders' defense is 31st in DVOA. The Raiders' defense is 30th against the run. Nick Chubb is still out. The wind is blowing very hard, which is going to deplete the passing games in Cleveland this week. Ben, which one of those statements was not true? I'm going to say the the wind is not blowing. I, don't, I actually have no idea, but that that's what I'm going to guess. The correct answer is uh, it was a trick question. All of these statements are true. I'm sorry. You've been bamboozled. I, <laughs> I didn't mean to make a fool out of you on our podcast, but look, the point is Kareem Hunt is the guy you should be building your cash lineups around this week. Man, you truly made a fool out of me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I actually mean, apologize. So the wind is blowing, but but we did – <laughs> oh never mind i i don't know why i i, I honestly just got the browns and Bengals confused because i was about to say the wind is blowing but we recommended joe burrow but they played last week not this week oh haven't we all confused the browns and the Bengals at some point they're the same franchise just varying levels of sadness yeah no i agree with you i can see why you got them confused but yeah i mean you're in on kareem hunt this week right Oh yeah, absolutely, dude. Kareem Hunt at sixty nine hundred. I mean, this is this is the guy in cash for sure. I'm probably playing him in tournaments too. Um, I, you know, so, I mean, sixty nine hundred is pretty expensive, but he's a bell cow running back with sincere talent. He's also the most talented position player on the team now. Now that Odell Beckham is hurt, so um, I'm locking and loading him. 
Yeah. All right. So we're both in on Kareem Hunt. Uh, I'll let you take this next guy. Yeah. So I wrote down Josh Jacobs, um, $6,200 for Josh Jacobs. Listen, (laughs) Josh Jacobs now comes with a disclaimer that he is wildly fluctuating from week to week, but Cleveland is just not very good against the run anymore. Um, I'm not super in on Josh Jacobs and cash just, just because of the volatility, but I am absolutely probably going to include him in a tournament or two. He always has 40 burger potential. He showed it in week one. They used him like Christian McCaffrey for one game and then they refused to do it ever again. I'm just at some point, John Gruden has got to realize what he has back there in that backfield. And at 6,200, um, if you want to take a tournament flyer, I think he could definitely win you the whole thing this week. Yeah, man, that is not the disclaimer that I thought we would be using on Josh Jacobs of all people this year. I thought he was going to be like a really consistent fantasy option, and that has not been the case. But, uh, you know, the price did kind of jump out to me as well, so I don't hate it. Um, A guy I actually like a little more, which is going to sound crazy, at $6,100 is going to be Jamal Williams. Aaron Jones is out again. Um, This feels like a lot to pay for Jamal Williams, but I think I'm going to be able to do it on this weird slate. It's a good matchup against the Vikings. Jamal Williams played 89% of the snaps last week with Aaron Jones out. He had 19 carries and he had five targets. I think both of those numbers probably go up this week in a really windy game in Green Bay. The Packers should be playing from ahead. They should be running downhill in the second half. I think it's Jamal Williams getting those carries when they are ahead in this game. So, yeah, I'm in on Jamal Williams at 6,100. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a legitimate shot that if they are playing ahead and running downhill, it's a little bit more A.J. Dillon. Um, just because that that speaks to his skill set a little bit more, he seems like a lot more of the the cold the I'm sorry, not cold. I mean, it is cold, but the bad weather, bruising running back type guy, and um, you know maybe Jamal Williams sees that same amount of carries and targets, and AJ Dillon just sees a little bit of an increase as well. But at six thousand one hundred dollars, that's definitely a good price. We were really worried about AJ Dillon last week, and he was not a factor at all. So I wouldn't be scared running out Jamal Williams definitely. Yeah, okay, so I'm glad we're in agreement there. My next guy is going to be Melvin Gordon, which really pains me because he's one of my least favorite players in the NFL. But this is a mega revenge game spot for Melvin Gordon. Me and Ben both love revenge games. Look, he held out for an extension last year from the Chargers, and they did not give it to him. Not only did the Chargers never give him that contract extension, they immediately turned around and paid his other running back, Austin Eckler. That was just kind of a slap in the face. Look, the weakness in this Chargers defense is certainly up the middle. We saw them give up 30 fantasy points to James Robinson last week. I expect Denver to protect Drew Locke here. They're going to try to establish a run with Melvin Gordon. I think they're going to try to work him into the passing game a little bit more, try to get Drew Locke some easy completions, especially try to get the ball out of his hands quickly against this pretty solid Chargers pass rush. I really like Melvin Gordon this weekend. If Philip Lindsay, who is questionable, if Philip Lindsay gets ruled out, I think Melvin Gordon might be a lock this week at 5,600 in a revenge spot. Yeah, if Lindsey is out, I'm probably playing Gordon. If Lindsey is in, I think I might pivot to somebody like Miles Gaskin at 5,200. Um, both Aaron and I were all aboard the Miles Gaskin train last week against the Jets. Uh, I'm not going to stop it here. Obviously, the Rams are not as bad as the Jets, and the run defense is not as bad, but I still expect a lot of Gaskin in this game. Uh, he scored 20, fantasy, 20 DraftKings fantasy points last week, and he comes at a price cheaper than any other RB1 that you're going to find. 5,200 is just very cheap. So, uh, you know, you got to hope he can avoid Aaron Donald a little bit, but he should catch passes. He should still get his 15 or more carries. And uh, I think he he is almost a lock to provide value at 5,200. Yeah, I mean, the usage is so solid. His chances of killing your lineup are very small. So I don't hate that either. Um, My running back tournament flyer this week, and this one is a very complicated play. It's going to be Tevin Coleman, who is the minimum price of $4,000. This is a tournament play only. You're going to need to monitor the news on him this week. You're going to need to monitor the coach talk to see what Shanahan's saying about the run game this week. But look, Coleman is returning from IR this week. He is supposed to play. Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. are both out this week. Jarek McKinnon, who there's been reports of his body is just tired. He was a non-factor last week, even with Mostert out. So you combine that with a matchup versus Seattle, which we really like. And you've got Coleman coming back from IR. If he's the guy that is featured in this Kyle Shanahan run scheme in a really good matchup against the Seahawks, I mean, that's just a steal at $4,000. But there's a lot of variance in this play. He could easily go out there and get like four carries and just kill your lineup. But if there's any indication that Tevin Coleman is going to be the guy this week for that run game, then uh, he's a steal at 4000 
and it's definitely worth a tournament flyer in my opinion. Yeah, so I mean, let me, let me ask you. You mentioned that you know Jeremy McKinnon. There's reports of his body being tired. How in are you on on Jamichael Hasty then? Yeah, I mean, really, I'm just going to do a lot of research Sunday morning and Saturday night to see if Kyle Shanahan is getting is given any indication of where these carries are going to go because. Last week, he was like pretty honest about where the carries were going to go. He said McKinnon might not get most of the work, and it was going to be a lot of Jeff Wilson Jr., and it was. So if there's any indication that it's going to be Tevin Coleman or Jermichael Hasty, I think the guy that's going to be featured is a good play. Maybe that's something that we'll keep a real good eye out for, and we'll tweet out on our Twitter at Cash Landing Pod. So maybe you should check us out there if you want to find out who we like in the backfield this week as we get closer to kickoff. Yeah, that's that's a good call. And and with that, I think we can go ahead and wrap up running back and move on to wide receiver. Uh, I think you have the the highest priced guy, so I'll let you go ahead and take it. Yeah, so we were both out on the really high priced wide receivers this week because my highest priced wide receiver that I like is still less than seven thousand, and that's going to be AJ Brown at six sixty nine hundred. Look, I like this game to be pretty high scoring here. Brown is red hot right now. He's healthy. He's facing the Bengals, who are twenty sixth in defensive DVOA. He has four touchdowns in his last three weeks. I think he just keeps pouring the touchdowns in this week. I think it's a back-and-forth shootout. I really like A.J. Brown at this price. He's got you know massive upside in tournaments. Yeah, A.J. Brown, 6,900 for sure. I think he's pretty good in cash as well. Just, I mean, that's there's definitely a safe floor there. He, he's, he's probably going to, like, I mean, there's almost no way he goes under 80 yards on the game. And so the the floor is there as well uh my other guy up at that price range is going to be Tyreek Hill at 6700 I mean I say this every single week and he still hasn't done it but there should be nobody on the Jets who can stop Tyreek Hill and they just aren't going to run the ball the Chiefs I mean are not just going to run the ball when they get up by two scores so I think this might be the week that the Cheetah finally gets loose and puts up the 30 burger but I have been saying that all year and it just hasn't quite happened yet however I mean he has Tyreek Hill has established a very solid floor. He, he basically never goes under 17 or 18 points in a week. So, um, I, you know, if you want to just keep throwing him out there and waiting for the big week, he's really not killing you. Yeah, I mean, he's he's probably not going to kill you. In a matchup, in a game like this where it's the Chiefs for the J- versus the Jets, I mean, the Chiefs can get the ball to whoever they want. So it's literally just whoever Andy Reid is playing in his DraftKings lineups, that's who we want to play because he's going to be able to get the ball to whoever – he wants if he wants it to be a Travis Kelsey week he can easily make it a Travis Kelsey week if he wants it to make it a Tyree Kill week it can easily be a Tyree Kill week if he wants a Le'Veon Bell revenge game you know that could happen also so uh, any piece of this Chiefs offense could be a blow-up spot but I don't know I think I might just be fading it as a whole and just hope nobody scores three basically I don't know it's a tough call in this type of game for me yeah and it always is let let me ask you because I think I think that the two guys below Tyreek people are going to have a little bit of trouble with it's Cooper cup and Robert Woods are the same price at, I think it's 6,500. Um, if I wanted one, I think I would definitely take Cooper cup this week over Robert Woods. Do you have a, you have a feel either way against the Miami defense? I mean, if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Cooper cup just cause he seems to be a little better getting in the end zone. But I think the Miami defense is a little underrated. I think the Rams offense is pretty underwhelming. Look, if they're both 6500 my answer to that question is I'm finding the extra $100 and I'm playing Tyler Boyd at 6600 every single time because I absolutely love Tyler Boyd in this spot. I mentioned my love for Joe Burrow. My favorite guy to stack him with this week is going to be Tyler Boyd. He saw 13 targets last week and he turned that into 30 DraftKings points. The Titans secondary has been getting torched all year long. It's a good weather spot. Boyd is my favorite wide receiver play this week, so... I mean, if you're considering Cup or Woods, maybe if you're rolling out golf for some reason in the stack. But besides that, I'm I'm finding the extra money for Tyler Boyd every time. Yeah, you have been very on brand this year with your with your Tyler Boyd love. So I, I appreciate you being consistent. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him in certain spots. I mean, you know, the only guy that seems to like Tyler Boyd more than I do is Joe Burrow, which is a good thing for Tyler Boyd owners. <laughs> That's pretty good. I, I think your it's probably your next guy. Right? Oh, absolutely! This is my guy. I mean, this is this is not your guy. This is my guy. This is Keenan Allen, my <laughs> wide receiver one. I absolutely love Keenan Allen. Look, I was high on Keenan Allen last week. I am in again this week at this nice price of sixty two hundred. Look, he's unguardable and he's a target monster. 
Ben, that sounds like a pretty good combination to me. I don't know. But uh, look, this offense rolls through Keenan Allen, and I think it's going to roll through Keenan Allen again this week. Look, is Justin Herbert really going to keep trolling us with touchdowns of Donald Parham Jr., Jalen Guyton, and Virgil Green? Maybe. If he does, I'm going to love him either way because I love Justin Herbert. But I think Keenan Allen does find the end zone this week. Hopefully he doesn't do a Gronk spike and blow out his back because if he does not, I think he has potential to put up a 30-burger because uh, I think people are going to sleep on Keenan Allen this week, and I think they should not be. God, that's so funny. I keep forgetting he did the Gronk spike and blew out his back. And then we lost in overtime against the Saints on Monday Night Football. Yeah, dude, I was I was laughing so hard. Oh, that's not. so good. <laughs> uh, so, full disclosure, last week I did actually roll out the big Charger stack. I had uh, Herbert, Henry, Allen, and... Uh, Justin Jackson all in the same stack. <laughs> oh, and, oh man. I mean Herbert basically got me there. He got me to the cash line in a tournament, but if he if he just would have thrown the touchdowns <laughs> to anybody other than these no-name players that he threw them to, I would have been sitting on a pile of money, but you know, it is what it is. So you got to imagine that's not going to happen again. I mean, yeah, I mean you're right. Jalen Guyton just can't keep catching all the touchdowns on this team. Keenan Allen should probably get some eventually. Um He's at a he's at a fairly good price. I, I you know if you're rolling out the Aaron lineup of Tyler Boyd and Ken and Keenan Allen, I think your floor is pretty high in cash for sure, and I think that might be my cash lineup as well. Dude, um, I I can't wait to roll out that exact combination with um with Kareem Hunt and Joe Burrow. I mean, I'm giving up my whole lineup here because it's a winner. <laughs> you're just gonna it's gonna be eighty percent owned. Everybody that you everybody that you mentioned, I. Uh, one thing I want to bring up is that all three of the Pittsburgh Steelers weapons are basically the same price. We know that one of them is definitely going to find the end zone in this, in this game. I mean, Baltimore is good, but they can't contain everybody all game. And so I think there's definitely some value here because all of them are 55, 55 and 5,200 in the in the chase, in the case of chase Claypool. Wow. That's really hard to say. Um, so if I had to take one of these guys, I think I'd go with Juju at 5,500. He's the exact same price as Deontay Johnson, who we also love. But I've mentioned, you know, all year that Chase Claypool is not a number one wideout yet. It's still Juju, and I still expect the Juju breakout game to happen at some point. So if I if you're really looking to get a piece of the Pittsburgh offense here, because I think that the passing game is what's going to be featured this week, then I think Juju is is my guy. Yeah, I don't hate that. I definitely think that game in general just could be higher scoring than people think. Um, my last guy I want to mention here is going to be A.J. Green. Obviously, I've talked about the Bengals a lot. Basically, um, i got to give the Will Fuller disclaimer. Um, A.J. Green, I think, is healthy at this exact moment in time. You never know with A.J. Green. But what we do know with A.J. Green is he has seen 24 targets in the past two games. So um, if Burrow and Green can finally turn some of those targets into actual receptions, that would be nice. AJ Green has zero touchdowns this year. I think he might score his first touchdown of the year this year. Look, I'll, I'm all in on Tyler Boyd, but if you are not all in on Tyler Boyd, AJ Green could be a really good leverage play at a lot lower ownership and a similar upside. I think. Yeah, I mean, if AJ Green is your AJ Green, bang. <laughs> if AJ Green is your tournament flyer, man. Then I think John Brown is mine at uh, 4,400. Uh, I mean, listen, I know the weather is going to be bad in Buffalo, but the weather is always bad in Buffalo. John Brown's been there for two years now. He's going to be a little bit used to it. Um, <clears throat> he's coming off an injury, which is seriously dampening his price. Uh, John Brown is always liable to score a long touchdown. So I think that just, I think he might be the best tournament option on the slate, honestly, at 4,400. The weather's going to scare people off. The, the, the injury is going to scare people off. The fact that Josh Allen hasn't looked great recently is going to scare people off, but I think he's always good for five catches and 110 yards and a touchdown, and that's going to provide some really good value here. <laughs> I, th- I think we have to explain to the listeners what just happened because they're probably really confused. So what just happened right there is Ben meant to say A.J. Green, and he said A.J. Breen. And since me and Ben have the exact same mind and we're thinking the exact same thing at all point in time, when he said A.J. Breen, that triggered in both of our brains, Mike Breen, <laughs> the announcer that yells bang every time he hits a three, which me and Ben both really enjoy that, which led to both of us immediately yelling bang at the exact same time. So I just think we need to clear the air there to make sure everyone knows exactly what just happened and that we are okay. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. 
Oh man, I was laughing the entire time you were talking about John Brown. Yeah, I think he's a decent play. <laughs> oh my god, dude. We really do have this same exact brain. Oh man, I can't believe that actually just happened. All right. Um <laughs> tight end. Uh if that happens again at tight end, that's gonna be pretty funny. Um I'm gonna go with uh George Kittle seven thousand. Look, the twenty twenty numbers indicate that the Seahawks defense is pretty decent against the tight end position. But I looked, I did the research, I crunched the numbers. This Seahawks defense has not faced any good tight ends whatsoever. They face no teams that feature the tight end. So I'm hoping because of those numbers and because of the 7K price tag that George Kittle goes massively overlooked here in this spot because I'm ready to absolutely hammer George Kittle in my lineups this week. It's the highest total on the board at 53.5. Jamal Adams looks like he's going to be out again. I think this is the week to absolutely unleash Kittle at what is hopefully low ownership. I can't guarantee the low ownership, but I'm going to go really heavy on George Kittle this week. I think I can work a high price tight end into my lineups this week. Yeah, I mean, the whole reason why I said I probably can't play Lamar Jackson is because I am also loading up George Kittle into almost every lineup that I have. So I totally agree with you here. Uh, The Seahawks have no reason to be good against tight ends other than Jamal Adams. And if Jamal Adams doesn't play, you should load up George Kittle. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And uh, we normally give out a lot of cheap tight ends, but I really like some of the expensive tight ends. The next one is going to be Darren Waller at 5,600. Um, look, this game is going to be stupid windy. Like it, the wind is going to be ridiculous in this Cleveland versus um, Raiders game. So that could just lead to even more dump offs to PPR legend Darren Waller. I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of short passes to Darren Waller. He could whack up, rack up uh, 10 catches here. And uh, yeah, you just could be a pay up for tight end week. I don't hate the double tight end lineup in your flex spot. Maybe it's Darren Waller and George Kittle. But uh, yeah, if I'm not paying up for Kittle, I don't hate the idea of paying up for Waller. Yeah, it's funny. We we called ourselves a punt tight end pod like maybe four weeks ago. And here we are just recommending all the high price ones. But, you know, you got to be flexible week to week. And and we still do have a do have a, a punt tight end on this on this slate here. But before we get there, I want to talk about Mike Gusecki at 4,900. If you can't pay up for Kittle, if you can't pay up for Waller, Gasecki at 4,900, I'm going to say Aaron Aaron isn't going to say it anymore because Ryan Fitzpatrick is no longer the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, but I will say it. Uh, the Rams are like sort of a little bit locked down on the corners this year with Jalen Ramsey, and I can see Tua just try to link up with his safe, big tight end over the middle for a lot of the game. Uh, he's not Fitzpatrick, but I still like Gasecki at this price enough, especially if I can't pay up for the other two. I think, I think Gasecki represents value that uh, is – is greater than anybody like around him in the price bracket. I'd definitely take him over, let's say, Hawkinson this week. Yeah, I actually really like that call. I, I didn't jot it down, but uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that one up because I do like Mike Gusecki. I really like your reasoning right there. Um, and then, yeah, we mentioned um, it's not just any punt tight end, Ben. This is our punt tight end. This is the punt tight end. It's Drew Sample at 30, at 3,400. Look, Drew Sample is still out there playing every single snap for the Bengals offense. Um, I've made it pretty clear this week that I like the Bengals offense. It was nice to see Drew Sample finally get six targets last week, and the Titans are 26 versus the tight end this year. If you are punting tight end, I, I just think you should punt tight end with our boy Drew Sample this week. Maybe he finally falls into the end zone. I don't know. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, we recommend him so much because he's just always out there, but it does seem like he blocks a lot. Um it's just going to be up to how many routes he runs and and whether or not Joe Burrow really wants to find him in the midst of looking at Tyler Boyd for 15 seconds every single play. But, you know, I mean, at, at 3,400, if he's not going to kill you because you're not paying anything for him. And if Drew Sample can somehow catch five balls, then there you go. It's it's value. Yeah. All right. So, you know, I definitely would prefer to find the money and pay all the way up for Kittle. But, you know, lineup construction is going to be different for everyone, especially in tournaments. So, yeah, well, neither one of us hates Sample there. Uh, Man, with that, I feel like we just gave out a lot of money in winning lineups, but are you ready to give out even more money with some bets? I would love to. And in fact, you, I, I'm snaking one of your bets this week if, if you want to go ahead and lead with that one. Oh, man, is that how hot I am this week? You're just straight up tailing my picks? I am absolutely tailing one of these picks. I, I, I mean, I, I probably would have done it myself because looking at it, I was like, you know, I saw it on the board as well, and I was like, well, yeah, obviously, but I saw you had already written it down, so I'm just going to go ahead and give you the credit for it and tail it. Okay, yeah, so I'll start off with that one. Um, it's going to be a two-team six-and-a-half-point teaser, which is minus 130. 
It's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all the way down to minus six and a half versus the Giants. And it's going to be the Bears versus the Saints under 49 total points. We're going to, I'm going to, I think we're both going to bet $130 to win a hundred. My reasoning here is look, the Bears offense is an absolute train wreck. We all just saw that on national TV. They're 26 in DVOA. Allen Robinson's a little banged up. Nick Foles is bad. Derrick Henry couldn't break a glass plate if he taped it to the front of a bumper car. I have to interrupt you. You said Derrick Henry. (laughs) No, no. That completely ruins the metaphor I was about to say. Yeah. David Montgomery, who is the absolute opposite of Derrick Henry. David Montgomery could not break a glass plate if it was taped to the front of a bumper car. The dude literally couldn't break a tackle from his own grandmother. Um, Michael Thomas... Michael Thomas is out again. Ben, let me ask you, are you do you think Drew Brees is going to put up points against this Bears defense in a weather forecast that reads wind gusts 30 to 40 miles per hour? No, I don't think Drew Brees is going to put up that many points here. And then as far as the other side of this teaser goes, Daniel Jones versus this athletic, fast Buccaneers defense, that's going to be actually really funny to watch. I think there's a good chance the Bucs defense outscores the Giants offense. The Bucs are going to unleash Antonio Brown in this game, most likely. They're going to win by more than a touchdown. So, yeah, I'm going to lock in that teaser. Um, Buccaneers minus six and a half. Bears Saints under 49. 130 to win 100. And uh, you're tailing me on this one, you say? I'm, I'm tailing it. I'm taking the same one. My my only concern with this entire teaser, and it is a a far-off concern, otherwise I would not be, be tailing it, is that the wind – in the Bears Saints under 49 may actually lead to so many turnovers that it turns into points. Yeah, that, that, that could is, lead to Nick Foles pick sixes. I agree. That is my only concern with with any of this. Yeah, I just I could honestly see the Bears not scoring a touchdown. So I could see the Saints winning this game like 24 to 6 and it just goes way under. Yeah, no, it, I mean, for sure. I'm going to go ahead and move on to one of my other bets. We've been we've been doing some pretty complicated parlays and teasers lately. I'm just going to keep it simple and go with a straight bet. Colts minus three at the Lions. It's a minus 105 line. I'm going to be betting $170 to win $161. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts are very clearly the better team here. They are just better than the Detroit Lions at every position besides quarterback and, I guess, wide receiver because Kenny Galladay is better than anything Indianapolis has. But... I don't think that the Lions defense has enough here to even capitalize on the Phillip Rivers mistakes this game. They don't have the sort of secondary that ball hawks and 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 capitalizes on mistakes like that. So I think the Colts defense is just going to stuff the Lions. And if I had to if I so if I had to pick in this game, I'd probably take the under as well. Uh, I'm not going to throw that in there, but if you made me, that's what I would do. And so. I trust that the well put together Colts roster is going to cover by a field goal in a dome with Dome Phillip Rivers. Yeah, I, I like that bet. I would also add to that that the Colts are coming off a bye and that the Lions are coming off an emotional road win. So, uh, yeah, you factor those things and I even like it a little bit more. So, yeah, I like that pick there. Uh, my next bet is going to be a three team money line parlay that's really just a two team money line parlay. I'll get to that. So, the parlay is the Bills, the Ravens, and the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to bet $150 to win $194. Look, the Bills here are going up against the Patriots. The Patriots, I think I've come to the conclusion that they're just legitimately bad. Cam Newton is an unmitigated disaster right now. Edelman is out. They have absolutely no one to get open. They have no one to get separation down the field. And even if they could, Cam Newton could not complete a pass right now if his life depended on it. You combine all of those things with the fact that we're going to have 20-mile-per-hour wind gusts and there's going to be rain, and it's going to be cold. I mean, that's it's absolute curtains for the New England passing game this week, which means that the Buffalo Bills can absolutely roll um, load up to stop the run of the Patriots. So I think Buffalo uh, finds a way to win this game. The Pats defense is 25th in DVOA, so I think the Bills put up a couple points. Give me the Bills 21-7 to in that one. I mentioned earlier that this is a nice spot for the Ravens coming off a bye and against a huge game at home. So I think the Steelers are a good team. I don't think they're this great team everyone's making them out to be. I think the Ravens win this huge game coming off a bye at home. And then, look, I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to put the Chiefs money line in every single bet this week to give me a couple extra dollars because why not? They're playing the Jets in Kansas City. They're not going to lose. I, I love the reasoning for the for the for putting the Chiefs in there. It's so 
I mean, you're not wrong at all, but it's just, it's so simple. Sometimes the simplicity really works. Yeah, dude, I, uh, it's, it's like minus 2,800. I'm just throwing it in there to get like the extra like five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do my own parlay. Uh, I, it's just a two-team money, money line parlay. I'm going to take the Raiders against the Browns this week and uh, the, and the Buccaneers against the Giants. So I have the Buccaneers now in, in two of my bets, if that is an indication of how confident I am in this game. Uh, this is going to be betting, or I'm sorry, this is going to be plus 146 odds, betting $125 to win 182. Um, the Cleveland Browns cannot physically put up two good games in a row. They just can't do it. And they put up a good game last week. I think the Raiders are just a better version of the Browns. Um, Odo Beckham is now out, which honestly might be a net positive in the future. Like over the long term, it seems like Baker Mayfield is better when he doesn't have all these weapons to take care of, but Looking at the Browns' weapons on paper for this week, I just can't have Kareem Hunt as my best player overall. Um, Austin Hooper is out. Their whole offensive line is banged up. They're all, you know, not practicing or at limited practices or or anything else. So I'll take the Raiders um, and the Bucks versus the Giants is self-explanatory. Aaron already got into it. Tampa should definitely win that game on a money line. Yeah, um, I do lean Raiders in that game. I'll get to that a little bit later, but I agree with you there. So I do like that bet. Um, I have a straight bet this week, and it's going to be the Bengals plus seven. Well, it, it's almost a straight bet, but I'm also throwing in the Chiefs money line because it's free money. So basically Bengals plus seven with the free money of the Chiefs money line. Look, the Titans five wins this year are not that impressive. If you look at it now where we have a better read on all the teams they've played, especially with how the Bills look recently. The Titans are coming off a really emotional loss last week against the Steelers. The Bengals are going to be able to move the ball here. It's in Cincinnati. I just think the Bengals are going to be able to put up enough points to keep this game within a full touchdown. I like that I'm getting a full plus seven here. So, uh, yeah, I think the Titans probably win this game by three or four. So go ahead and give me the Bengals plus seven. I'm going to bet 136 to win 133 because I'm throwing in the Chiefs money line to give me a couple extra dollars in there. Oh, we're going to be a little bit on the opposite side of, of that one. I mean, not not particularly because they're in my teaser and it's it's a little different. But uh, my next bet is my most complicated one of the week. It's going to be a four-leg teaser, uh, all teasing by six points. So it's going to be a plus 260 odds. I'm going to bet my last $75 to win 195 I've got the 49ers, which are going to be teased up to plus nine at Seattle. I have the Bills at plus two against New England. The, the Titans, which is where you and I are going to be a little bit on the opposite side, are going to be teased to minus one. So they essentially just have to win against the Bengals. And the Steelers are going to be plus nine and a half at Baltimore. So actually, we're on the opposite side of two two of these here. But the lines are so different that we can both certainly cash. Um, I think that the 49ers might just actually be a better team than Seattle. Um I'm still going to take the teased line because I'm not sure how Carlos Dunlap changes things for Seattle. I mean, their big problem is pass rush. If they could just get a little bit of pass rush, then I think they could, they could, you know, be a, a much more legitimately well-balanced team. I think the Bills should definitely win against New England. I, I agree with your take there that New England is just bad this year. I think the Titans should definitely win against Cincinnati. Um, uh, you know, you, you have them at plus seven, but that leaves ample room for both of us to be happy. And, the Steelers are the only undefeated team left in the league. I mean, I'll take this crisp air offense to beat Baltimore. I would probably take the Steelers money line. I'd be on the opposite side as you, but in my line, they only have to stay within 10 points, which is a completely different argument here. I think that that is extremely likely and they should definitely, if they're losing this game, I think they're only losing it by a touchdown. Yeah. Um, I definitely understand your reasoning on all those. You sold me a little bit. Um, it was some solid takes there. Uh, it's a four-team teaser, so it's always going to be a little stressful. I think you're definitely going to have some close calls on that one. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how it works out. I definitely think either the Bengals or the Ravens, obviously those are the two teams I like this week. They're probably the most likely to ruin it. I do like the 49ers and the Bills teasers a lot. But, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Hopefully we can middle both of those because that would be uh, pretty legendary. But uh, yeah, my last bet of the week is going to be a long shot parlay for me. I haven't done very many long shot parlays this year. And uh, it's going to be the Raiders money line parlayed with the Broncos money line. And then I'm going to throw in the Chiefs, obviously. But uh, look, this is my long shot parlay. This is a classic Anthony Lynn letdown ruin Aaron Sunday spot. Um, They should (laughs) win this game, but they will find a way to rip my heart out. 
So I'm going to, you know, if they do rip my heart out, at least I know I want some money for our listeners with this parlay. I'm going to throw in the Raiders money line. Ben talked about how he liked the Raiders earlier. I agree with him. This Raiders-Browns game, to me, it just feels like a coin flip. So I'm going to take the team with the plus money and go for the value. This is going to be a really windy game, and I just trust Derek Carr in this weather more than I do Baker Mayfield. And then, you know, Chiefs versus Jets, free money. You know, that's it. <laughs> I love that you actually threw Chiefs versus Jets in every single one. That is that is really good. And, yeah, I mean, you you were in a position to take these long-shot parlays much more so than I am. I'm – I'm trying to build up a little bit of a of a cushion before I go after him, but I'm I as the season wears on and and my my profit gets higher and higher, I definitely expect to be joining you on these long shot parlays. I actually had written down here like a three leg long shot seventy five dollar parlay that I then had to delete because uh, I want to get a little bit more in the green before I start firing those off. Yeah. Also, I don't even know if I mentioned how much I'm betting eighty four to win three ninety two, so I'm getting pretty heavy odds there. But yeah, I actually consider throwing in the 49ers to make it even more of a long shot. But I don't know, my chances of hitting all three of those are pretty low. So I'm just going to go with the two right here plus the Chiefs. But yeah, I understand your reasoning for not doing it. You got to catch me eventually. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to catch up for sure. And uh, and with that, I guess we're, I guess that's that's all we got for this week. There's there's going to be a lot of NFL uh, going forward on, on Fridays. I think our Friday show is going to be focused on NFL more so than it even has been before with no baseball and no basketball, but uh, we will try to keep you all informed and notified of, of when we're going to record our, our middle of the week emergency pods, especially when, when it comes to free agency, we love talking about the hot stove. Uh, for those of you who listened to our radio show last year, you know that, I mean, hot stove is just so fun and predicting all these teams movements is so fun. So uh, we'll certainly get to that soon, but uh, Aaron, you, you got anything else? I think, I think we're probably ready to get out of here. No, I think I'm pretty good to go. We're both going to try to be more active on our Twitter at Cash Landing Pod, so interact with us there. And then, uh, yeah, good luck to everyone out there making lineups and throwing in some bets this week. Let's enjoy another good week of football. Yeah, uh, everybody out there stay safe. Have a good one.